sana, sana, un grito de rana. Si no te sanas hoy, te sanas mañana. No matter how much pain you are in, this little phrase always makes you feel better. Navigating the field of public health can come with growing pain. The Latinx young professionals are navigating the public health field while helping others along the way. Join us this season as we explore Latinidad in public health. This is Sana Sana, Latinos in Public Health. Welcome to Sana Sana, Latinos in Public Health. I am Juan, and today we will be speaking with... <laughs> that was really... Ex- I'm just so excited to be here with you. <laughs> We're speaking with a wonderful colleague of mine in a different life. A parallel universe, they would probably be... Actually, in like 80% of parallel universes, I think they would be the president. And we're here with Andrea Como. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. But actually, it was just like, oh, he's seeing into my future. We've had some chance to know each other, but I guess our listeners, have, you might not know us as well. So this is an opportunity for you to get to know us a little bit better. I want to ask you first just a little bit more about who you are. Yeah, for sure. My name is Andrea Jacobo, and my preferred pronouns are she, her, hers, and they, them, theirs. It's funny because I didn't really get to express my preferred pronouns until I moved to California. Um, when it's like mm-hmm. part of the norm. I appreciate that because it made me think about my own, who am I? Like, what is my identity? How do I want to represent myself in the world? Mm-hmm. And part of the reason why I use both she and they pronouns is because I do believe that there's um, non-binary um, identity. And I I connect with that a lot. And I am female first, for sure. But I don't necessarily think I need to conform to gender norms. Yeah, I guess that's that's a, a little introduction. I've never really expressed <laughs> it that. Um, well, uh, I'm a doctoral student at Berkeley School of Public Health. I'm a DRPH program, which is Doctor of Public Health. I'm excited to be in this training program because I'm exploring a lot about myself. And so um, my background is in exercise physiology and public health. I did my public health master's in University of Memphis. I did my undergrad at the University of Miami. And so all those different elements, and I'm Dominican. So all the little things from from my past, my culture, the places I lived, really are informing the way that I want to do public health and through this like intersectionality um, lens. I want to kind of, you know, jump at a point that you you said. Mm -hmm you didn't start recognizing your pronouns until you moved to California. Mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to do um, a research program at, in the Bay where mm-hmm. you're currently located. Actually, Andrea and I missed each other by a week. She moved to By Berkeley, a week? And I, oh. I moved out of Berkeley a week before she came. I was like, dang. What, what day did you move out of Berkeley? Uh, I think it was the 15th of August. Yeah, yeah. I got, yeah. I got there the 16th, yes a day oh my gosh i got there the 16th yes that changes the narrative so much so much Um, by a day and i remember i I was gonna show you like around what i learned i guess my point is though i also experienced a similar sensation coming from iowa i had never i was never in an environment where people immediately expressed their pronouns and encouraged us to and so i Mm -hmm. I was kind of just like this is 
this is not what I'm used to, but also like, I really appreciate this. It's really made me reflect too on how do we carry ourselves as well. And it's, it's not to say like that is just because you live in California, you will experience that or because this place is this way. It's, it's the people, right? It's the people Mm -hmm. that, and I think that's, this is kind of getting back to a point that we were talking about before you started, we started recording. It's like, that's why we need, you know, we need to have people at the table that understand each other, that like have yeah. different experiences so they can be like, hey, hold up. Actually, that's Pause. a little weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, bring it back. Bring it back. Let's, let's go back. <laughs> but I really, I just appreciate that reflection that you just said. You just mentioning that, the fact that I'm in California, I believe that place really shapes the way that we are navigate through the world, the way our beliefs are created. And I say that because I grew up in Miami. Miami is a huge, I would say a huge enclave of many enclaves. Um, mm. And I say that in the most appreciative way of how there's so there the different groups from the Caribbean and from Latin America from all over come to Miami because of the proximity it has to our countries. Um, I grew up around Cubans, Jamaicans, Haitians, Dominicans, Colombians, Venezuelans, Puerto, uh, Puerto Ricans, and Peruvians. And I had so many different friends from all over. And I really thought that the world looked like that. Yeah. And it didn't when I moved out. And so I had, before I had like this idea that we were all living this life free and moving out, going to Alabama, going to Memphis, I realized yeah. not all are free. And this narrative that we have yeah. about how we have moved past our history, we're post-racial, just completely in my face and that's where I am today and that's why understanding my own identity and looking it through an intersectionality perspective an intersectional perspective I mean is really important and that's why I have like embodied this I don't have to conform to these gender norms and when we leave a place and experience another and back to your point about being around people, it changes you. Mm. And that's why I think place matters. And that's why I think we need to be around different people. Yeah. And why people, different people need to be at the table so we can talk to each other and have a dialogue. How has your identities, whether that's, you know, as we mentioned in the beginning, influenced mm-hmm your experience in in this profession? You know, I was talking to my my coach and she tells me that we go into the fields that we go go into because we're trying to search for answers of our own experiences. And because I'm Dominican, because I am first generation, I've had to experience certain things. And I always question why is that I have to navigate an educational system on my own, help navigate a system with my mom, with my mom, be an advocate for our families at such a young age. Why is it, why was it that it was until I was 21, I stepped into a Whole Foods because I went to school in a neighborhood 
I went to University of Miami, so it's in Coral Gables, and that's a more affluent neighborhood. And I grew up in Hialeah in Miami. So shout out to my Hialeah people, um, <laughs> if you're listening. So I've been trying to figure out why is it that my community has been left behind but from other communities and that, how that, that affected me in my health and my well-being and my family's health and well-being and my community's health and well-being. So that kind of pushed me to public health, pushed me to exercise physiology because I'm really focused. I really was interested in physical activity. I love being active. And it wasn't until like I was teaching in a, a fifth grade class in, during the summer about exercise science and nutrition that I realized I was like, this is what I want to do. This is exactly what I want to do. I want to teach the future how to think differently mm-hmm. and how they also can have the opportunity to be well and live well and play well and just thrive. We're all about, we've been, we've been working through survival. Like our families came here to survive, to make it to another, to make it in America. And I think right now what I'm trying to do is how do we thrive? How do we thrive, our make our communities thrive? So that's how my identities kind of formulated in this work of me doing public health. That's so interesting. And this kind of goes back to your point you were saying, right? Like we base a lot of our comparisons to like things that have been written, right? Things that have been done. But I think it's, it's imp- and we've, we're starting to do this for sure now that we have more representation and more faces and voices at the table. It's still mm-hmm. not enough, but um, mm-hmm. You know, how can we compare when, A, the system is biased? Mm. You're going to have, so like if the system is biased, you're going to have biased results. And then all of a sudden you're supposed to compare like certain groups to like, or social groups that have been societally benefited. Yeah, yeah. Like positively benefited for those biased results. There's so many different factors. That's the point. Growing up in, in a small town in Iowa, I always felt like inadequate at times. There were things that my friends and their parents would talk about that I just, my parents never did or... And like I was comparing myself to them and I was comparing myself to their lives when it's like, why am I comparing myself to you? I don't need to be you. We're all beautiful in ourselves, like in our own communities. We don't need to be the the comparison that has like already been biased to, to mm-hmm. a point where like where they've benefited so much. Sorry for the tangent. I was just like, No, 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 no. I, I think you bring us such a great point is that sometimes we learn about our own communities through a slide, a data slide. And it's just like, we're more than just these, these data sets. Like there's so much more about our experiences. And it goes back to what we were already like, everything's connected. We are in a way trying to change the narrative of how people view like our communities, Latinx, Black communities, Black, Indigenous, people of color communities. We're trying to change that. Because it's so harmful for us to see ourselves lowest um, life expectancy rates, highest diabetes mortality rates, highest infant mortality rates, maternal um, mortality rates. And there's something about that that's alarming, that we have so much technology, yet our disparities have increased exponentially. 
And, and, um, and I get this, this is where it goes to the question, like, what, what am I doing right now? Like, am I like, who am I in this world with public health and how am I trying to change these things? So I'm in, I'm, like I said, I'm a doctoral student and I'm trying, um, I've been, I'm wearing many different hats uh, right now. And one of the hats that I, I'm trying, I'm working on and being developed under, I would say, Moose Hat, is developing an anti-racist curriculum and pedagogy and praxis at the School of Public Health. Being a part of this large um, steering committee um, that was appointed after the murder of George Floyd and the social uprisings that had to have uh, occurred since then. The School of Public Health is trying to change the future of are of the public health practitioners by changing the way that they're taught, changing the way that they're trained, and you and sharing tools that will address these things in the future and develop the people who will be able to lead them. Gosh, I that it's hard for me to ask the next question that is on like our outline because of how you're responding to all these like this keeps it's keeping my brain like and it might be the, the coffee too but uh, no okay. it's, it's not it's not just the coffee. that's why we had coffee in the morning yeah cafecito in the morning cafecito in the morning i guess you know i think it's important to ask then who who are some of your role models? You, you've touched mm. on it. Um, and, and I guess, what are some qualities in these individuals that, you know, you want, like, to have in your life or that you, that you want to do, maybe, you know, like, what are some things about your role models? I'm just curious. Wow. Um, for sure. My role models, they vary. They vary in in different ways because I believe that we can be shaped by other by the experiences of others. So, can my first my like one of my role models in my mother is my mom because of how tenacious and hard she is with mm-hmm. with us. Um, and I was actually on the phone with one of my mentors um, before. I, jumping on this call and she's a Philippine she's Filipina um she came to this country after uh, living in the she did her um university at in the Philippines and she moved out here in her 20s and she did her pub she moved to Memphis and did her master's in city planning and the way that I met her was through the YMCA and the way that she views the world was so different and so refreshing to me because she was able to say hold on what are we not seeing here and she was the first person to make me think outside this this like biomedical lens or this like we're researchers and i yeah. and I, I i i thank you connie binkowitz um <laughs> shout out <laughs> shout out to connie because she's one of the people that fr- that helped me. And I would also say Memphis, the bl- working in Memphis, the community in Memphis, everyone who has 
a stake in the ground in Memphis and trying to develop and reimagine the future of Memphis have inspired me. I see them as role models. And the reason why I'm here today is because of them and what Memphis, and I say Memphis in general because Memphis gave me a lot, poured into me so much in my development and gave me opportunities to really engage in the community. And then of course there's like researchers like Vivian Chavez on culture humility. She's a role model for me. Dr. Kamara Jones, she's a role model for me. Um, Even Barbara Baquero and Irene Martinez from the caucus, they're role models to me. The professors I'm working with right now, Dr. Amalini Allen, Dr. Evan, Evan Mandolome Gonzalez, my my teachers that came that that helped me grow in my my high school, Dr. Sardinas and and Coach Rulin and um and school just to help me shape things, Dr. Burroughs, like from my from my honors college days back in Miami Dade College, because I went to a community college first. All these people that poured into me, they were my, they saw my potential and they were allowed me to bring, to shape my, my, my vision um, and expand my mind. Those were my role models. So I have so many people as I have role models and I think it's a, it's a community. It takes a village and I'm honoring that village that have poured into me and I'm pouring back into them and and doing my work from there. That is beautiful. I have so many thoughts on that. But uh, I think role models are really important. I used to see myself, I mean, like, I used to just look at the negatives of me immediately, like when I'm thinking like, oh, you know, I had, I was meeting with someone that what had met with my role model before me. And then they're like, oh, you know, this, you're, this person, like, told me all of this about you, like, and like, they took the time to just reverberate what they think of me what they think of me and all of a sudden I was just like having you know I was in a day where I was like negatively judging myself and wow I am that's so nice <laughs> you're a pretty big deal yeah no, no no no, <laughs> <Just kidding>. no. <laughs> I was just like I, I just love Will Ferrell and like, <laughs> pretty big deal but yeah no I, it's true and I'm, I'm not trying to be pompous, but just like how they thought of me in such a high, like a, a light that was so positive, it just made me very happy. Um, yeah. And I think that's why we're also like so committed to the Latino caucus too. And like as young professionals trying, and even why we started this podcast, because we have benefited from people who have seen us, who see us in our whole selves and say, your experience is so worthy enough to be a part of this. Not worthy enough, it's worthy, period. And so I agree that our role models and the people who pour into ourselves, our mentors, are like the gatekeepers to our future. Yeah. That's and that's true. why we, it's true. And, and, and uh, that's part of the reason why we want to do, we did this podcast in the, in the first place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of this podcast yeah we are the you know young professionals mm-hmm. as an early young professional where do you see your career going and if you can't answer that it's okay but you know i think i think you've really touched on it in a lot of different ways you know 
Mm-hmm. I did touch upon it in different ways. And that question is always hard for me to ask. I mean, no, answer, I mean. Because I don't know where I'm going to go. But I do know yeah. is that I want to be in the community. I do know that I want to be teaching. I do know that I want my what I contribute to the world to be useful and to be relevant and to uplift the experiences of the people and re- truly change the trajectory of health for our communities. That's good. That's good. That's so you. That's so you. Finish the sentence, please. Also, I'm just going to plug that we have a Twitter poll going on. And <laughs> <laughs> that and this with this question. So please, if you have a, an opinion, this is non-probability-based sample. Although if it does get to the response that I think is the right answer, then it is becoming a probability-based sample. Finish the sentence. Sana. Ahead, epidemiologist. Sana, sana. Julito. Uh, rana. Uh, so let <laughs> me tell you. <laughs> it's so funny how it's no 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 it's funny that we have we this has been like our thing and we didn't know it was a thing until we started asking this question but yeah uh the caribbean it seems like the caribbean call it calls it gulito and countries within the continuous latin america south america continent southern america and the continent say colita as well central american and north american too but mm-hmm. yeah it's sana sana culito de rana sino te sana hoy te sana mañana i res- i i think it's so cool that we just like i i'm i'm assuming it's been discovered before but just the fact that we kind of were just talking and we're all of a sudden like wait hold up what did you say <laughs> yeah like <laughs> But the thing is, it sounds so similar. Like it's like Santa Santa Culito de Rana. Like you don't even know like it's, if I'm saying culito or culita. Yeah. So it's funny. Uh, well, if anyone wants an update, currently culito de Rana is winning. Really? Yeah. What? I know. That's what I'm thinking, but like not as like positive energy. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm like about to go on Twitter because I'm like, ¿qué? Yeah. You know, it's still it's still kind of funny because I could have swore that Colita was going to win because of the the number of, you know, the ratio between yeah, you know, the Caribbean and you know, Southern America and Central America. South America, I mean. Yeah, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um anyways, thank you all for for listening to our podcast this has been such a wonderful conversation subscribe to us via spotify apple podcast follow us on social media at sana sana lph dm us pictures of your dogs if you want or just reading recommendations or general you know we're here please don't spam us with like pyramid schemes (laughs) (laughs) say the twitter account one more time that is sana sana LPH. So if you just no spaces, no, I mean, there's technically capitals, but like it doesn't matter to the Twitter algorithm, I don't think. Oh, perfect. This is Sana Sana, Culito de Rana, signing off. <laughs>
Merci. Merci.